Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's portion is Kititse. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Amit Synagogue in Chicago speaks with author Jonathan Eig about Amalek, the hatred that refuses to stay in the past. So as Moses comes to the end of his life and the people of Israel are getting ready to go forward without him, he reminds them about an incident that took place right at the beginning of their journey. Zachor et asher asalacha Amalek. Remember what Amalek did to you when you were on the way. And the story is that when the children of Israel went forward after the splitting of the sea, they were attacked by Amalek and his people, the Amalekites. And in a do-or-die war, the Israelites were victorious because Moses went up onto the mountains in sight of the people and put his arms up, reminded them that God was with them, and they won that battle. What is of interest is that at the end of Moses' life, he refers back to it and says that when you are settled in the land, that God is going to give you the command to destroy them. Not just to destroy them, but to blot them out And the question that I think we should be talking about today is, how does this lens of anti-Semitism affect us today? Yeah, why so dark? Why is Moses being such a downer and saying, let's let's not focus on our freedom? He's not saying, I want you to remember the moment when we became free. He's saying, I want you to remember the people who attacked us after we became free. I mean, it's kind of negative vibe there. I was thinking about how Moses would react to that. (laughs) I was thinking... Moses would look at you and say— He took criticism well, I'm sure. uh, No, actually, I don't (laughs) think he did. I imagine Moses looking at you and saying, hey, wake up. Mm -hmm. I didn't make the history up. This is the history not only of the Israelites who are attacked at each step along the way, but the history of the Jewish people is Amalek. Mordechai fights Amalek in the diaspora through Haman. That's the whole Purim story. So— I guess Moses would say, I wish that you could be part of another people so you wouldn't have to carry this around, but this is your history. This is your destiny. And so this war is going to go on forever. Yeah, and this really sets the tone for much of our identity and how we relate to Judaism, right? That we suffered, that we're victims, that we see the world through that dark-colored lens. And our generation really should understand this best because we grew up in the wake of the Holocaust, when we actually had an opportunity to see what would happen if Amalek was given sway. And if Hitler would have had his way, he would have blotted us out. That was the final solution. So the fact is, is that Moses is on pretty solid ground talking about this, warning them as they go forth into history. Question for us today is, is that the lens that we should be using? Right. Would we have survived without that lens? Would Do we need to have that sense of persecution in order to survive the diaspora, in order to get through all these years without a home, without an established center of our religion? Every country that Jews inhabited during the diaspora throughout Europe, Eastern Europe, in Arab countries as well, they were at one time either persecuted or exiled. So the reality is, is that Amalek isn't a person But Amalek and the spirit of Amalek exists. When Jews are the other, that hatred, and it's a wanton hatred, it's an irrational hatred, rises, and Jews are either persecuted, killed, or exiled. And so one sees how all of these ideas come together in our day. 
the modern state of Israel. How do we understand ourselves today? I grew up understanding that there was an intimate link between anti-Semitism and the history of the Holocaust and the state of Israel. I imagine you did as well. Yeah, sure. And so much of what you learn is about the difficulties of our journey, right? There aren't too many stories where we just say, hey, let's celebrate and dance. You know, the, you know the joke, why don't Jews drink more, more alcohol? Because it interferes with their suffering. Um, and I wonder what that, you know, how that affects a religion in general. Let's look at it in the biggest macro sense, right? When so much of your religion, when so much of your faith is tied to your suffering, how does that affect your relationship to God? Well, that's the other joke. It's the definition of a Jewish holiday. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. <laughs> it does affect us. It, yeah. affects, it affects our humor. It affects every aspect of Jewish life. We live with this pain. Even Rosh Hashanah, the, the new year, which should be a time of newness and wonder, is preceded by seven weeks of comfort because seven weeks earlier, we commemorate the destruction of the first temple and the second temple. That is such a Jewish way of looking at it. Right. Right? It's, on the one hand, we've survived. On the other hand, we, we survived. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's... that's the Jewish dilemma. And so today, in 2019, we live in America, which has been better to Jews than any other country. And we live at a time when there's a state of Israel, which is a military power that has a place on the world stage. Despite all the criticisms, Israel is a strong and powerful democracy. Do we still have to be talking about Amalek today? Well, I'm going to turn the question on you and say, if we have this stability, if we have this relative calm in the lives of Jews in America and in Israel, is that bad for the religion? Does that mean that we don't have that sense of urgency about maintaining our faith? Does that have anything to do with why membership at synagogues and attendance is slipping? Are we, are we losing that sense of urgency? That's a great question. And I've actually never thought about it quite that way. But from a fundraising point of view, that's for sure correct. Okay. That one of the things that Jewish fundraisers understood was that suffering sells. Right. Persecution sells. Anti-Semitism sells. And in my world, you can't have a good story without a bad guy, without an enemy, without potential peril for the protagonist. And that is why all the Marvel movies work as well as they do. The bad guy drives the action. In every book you've ever, any great novel you've ever read, the bad guy drives the action. So if we feel like at the moment we're not threatened, what does that do to our sense of commitment and energy for the cause? Let's add one other aspect to this. What America also represents is the first time in Jewish history where Jews actually believe and that there's evidence to show that they can assimilate. The intermarriage rates uh, reflect that idea. There are no Nuremberg laws that have come out in this country. In fact, it's just the opposite. There are very few repercussions in American society for Jews marrying non-Jews, whereas throughout Jewish history, there have been. Mm -hmm. So the doors, there's an alternative path here. It's not just, well, we're going to do everything we can to be accepted into the host society, but rather the host society has opened up all doors. The President of the United States has a daughter who converted to Judaism and has, as he likes to say, Jewish grandchildren. That's unheard of. The most powerful nation in the world, 
the leader has a Jewish son-in-law, right? Who's who's not only who's a committed Jew, who's who's part of the Orthodox community. Who who wants to talk about Amalek today? Amalek's right. gone. Forget it. That's right. And your children and my children are probably growing up without that sense of persecution, without that sense of feeling like they are discriminated against in a, on a day-to-day basis. They may understand the concept of it, but I don't think they feel it very much. That, I think, is the most important point. For our children, the Holocaust is ancient history. That's right. And they don't relate to it on almost any level. Yeah, we teach it that way, too. We teach it almost the same way we teach the Bible. No offense, I'm not saying that we're doing a bad job on the Jewish education, but we teach this stuff like it's ancient history, and, the, and it's very difficult to make younger people relate to it in the, in the way that, uh, that you would if you were a little older. Right, and at the same time, anti-Semitic incidents are on the rise. So the reality is, is that it probably makes more sense to see anti-Semitism as an illness, as a cancer that may go into remission, but never goes away. And as you said earlier, that messaging doesn't feel positive. So why do I want to be part of that when I can, you know, escape or just opt out? And especially for our kids who feel like they can opt out because they don't feel, they may read the headlines that, there's a, that there are these anti-Semitic incidents, and certainly they know about the most dramatic ones, but I'm not sure that they feel the sense of urgency. And I don't want to put it on the kids because I, you know, maybe it's true for, for you and me too. Well, that's the failure because the Jewish calendar year is really um, an opportunity to not only think about our relationship with God, it's an opportunity to really reflect on our own history. And so we go through Passover, which is the leaving of Egypt in route to Israel. Shavuot, which is the holiday of first fruits in Israel. We have Tisha B'Av, which talks about the diaspora, going out into the diaspora. So writ large, Jewish history is all around us. We don't make the connections. We want to sell Jewish life. So everything has to be about joyful celebration of our faith and our relationship with God, when that's certainly not reflected in real life anywhere, and most certainly in Jewish life. So the pendulum has swung, and we're trying to figure out how to balance everything. And I'm not sure we're doing a great job of it. No, I don't think so either. And I think, you know, using the idea of Passover, when we do sit down and tell the stories, we often connect it to recent history, to the civil rights movement, and to the effort to win freedom for oppressed people. But even that is starting to feel like ancient history to to younger kids. You know, even talking about the civil rights movement is 50, 60 years ago. So how do we apply it to our lives today? How do we make it that message that Moses is trying to pass on in his last days? How do we make it relevant today to people who, who, who are not interested in history of 50 years ago? The problem, as I see it, is that we're not really talking about history that began in 1948 or began in 1945, or began with the Zionist Congresses at the beginning of the 20th century. The question here is, how do we see Jewish history writ large? How do we understand our place in this historical continuum? What responsibilities does that lay on our shoulders? Like it or not, Amalek isn't going away. 
like it or not, we have a responsibility to figure out how to connect as Jews. Like it or not, we have a responsibility to support the state of Israel, whether you love the government or you hate the government. And that's a message that flows, I think, out of Torah, but also out of Jewish history. You can be a secular Jew and feel that responsibility, just as you can be a religious Jew and feel that responsibility. That's the challenge. And unless we know our history, unless we remember Amalek and don't forget it, as much as we might feel like we are past that, we're going to suffer in the end. And we're going to lose Jews. And unless America is different in the largest possible way, we're going to find out one of these days that history has a way of pulling us back. Amalek has a way of tapping us on the shoulder and saying, wake up. Yeah, and, and it can't be just history. We have to live it today. We have to find a way to make it a part of our lives. So we're not just studying it, but that we're getting our hands dirty and dealing with it. Well, I guess I want to I want to end with this idea. Jews are most effective in the world when they move from the particular to the universal. When we look at our own history and then extend that notion of suffering to the stranger amongst us. We can't take on another person's history and make it our own and ignore the history that we were given as well. And that's the balance we have to come to at the end of all this. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Thank you.